Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Hi, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and welcome to episode 78 of Highly Relevant, a U.S. Latino podcast examining how Hispanics are influencing and reshaping mainstream entertainment in the United States. Well, on this episode, I welcome my good friend and culture critic Mike Sargent to talk about this week's new release, Han Solo, A Star Wars Story. And then we jump into the subject of if we'll ever see an all-black or Latino cast science fiction space film anytime soon. Stick around. This is the Highly Relevant Podcast. This Father's Day, skip the tie or new shirt and get him something that he will actually want to wear. Saks underwear. This is not the status quo. Saks' underwear reinvented. It's so comfortable, so supportive. There's really nothing else like it. Saks underwear took something we all need and made it better. I mean, seriously, these are the best underwear I've ever tried. Their ballpark pouch is a game changer. It's designed with our anatomy in mind. It lets you move around comfortably no matter what you're doing. There is no friction, no chafing. Saks has a large selection of styles, including training shorts. You can find the perfect pair for everyday wear, working out, traveling, and it's all backed up by their 100% comfort guarantee. There's still time to get Saks underwear for Father's Day. Order a few pairs now and take advantage of this great limited time deal I've worked out. Shop from anywhere on their site and get $5 off plus free shipping on your first purchase. But to get this great offer, you need to use my promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT at checkout. Go now to SaxUnderwear.com, that's Saks with two X's, and use the promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT at checkout. Remember, SaxUnderwear.com, promo code HIGHLYRELEVANT. Heard about a job, big shot gangster putting together a crew. I'm a driver, and I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? Welcome back. I'm here with my good friend, Mike Sargent. You've heard him on the podcast many times before. Uh, he's one of the most respected critics that I know of. And it's always I'm always very fortunate and grateful to have you on the show, Mike. Well, I only come on the show so I can go Jack Rico. <laughs> or Mike Sargent. Jack Rico. <laughs> Especially so, with that voice. I mean, it's a yeah, treat for well, me, that, man. That, that's it. There you go. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about what this movie means in the Star Wars sort of uh, franchise, in the machine of Disney's 
Star Wars uh, franchise. Disney decided that they were going to do, they were going to buy the Star Wars franchise from George Lucas for about $4 billion. And they had a strategy where they were going to do prequels of a lot of the movies that we had already seen. And this is just one of those prequels where it's the origin story of the Han Solo character, extremely well done by Harrison Ford back in 1977 when he was first introduced. Uh, But a couple of problems happened with this project. Number one, uh, there was a lot of uh, the, the directors, they were fired. It's not that they quit. They were fired by Kathleen Kennedy, which is basically the person in charge of the Star Wars franchise for Disney. And... Uh, they were fired because of creative differences. And then secondly, there was also the uh, massive, enormous talk of Alden Ehrenreich. Uh, He's the guy who's interpreting uh, Han Solo. And things got so bad with his acting that they had to hire an acting coach to be able to come in and help him get into the Harrison Ford Han Solo uh, essence. And it looked like it worked, but it was a little embarrassing, I think, for him and for many people that, man, did we get the wrong guy? So what happens when you cast maybe the wrong person? Well, here's what you do. You stick with him until he gets it. And that's great support for him, but a little embarrassing, maybe even humiliating to a certain extent. But the guy's been able to manage it quite well. I don't know if people bring it up to him during the interviews, Um, I think they're much more courteous than that and much more polite, but I was not expecting this movie at all. I'm like, why do we need a prequel of Harrison Ford? Here's my big issue with the film before going in, Mike. Number one, you can never replace Harrison Ford and you can never replace the Harrison Ford Han Solo. So why even try? Ultimately for me, Han Solo, a Star Wars story, is not essential viewing but it is mildly entertaining. I liked it. I didn't love it. But I was surprised. I thought this was going to be an utter flop, and it wasn't. Hmm. Well, you know, okay, I, I, you, you, you said a lot of things there, so I want to back up a little bit. Now, I mean, I don't know if you read that article in Vanity Fair where he says that, that the whole acting coach thing was kind of blown out of proportion and that the, the, the coach was really... Uh, a writer-director named Maggie Kiley, who was supposedly just brought in for a couple of weeks, and that was it. That's what he says. Okay, so who knows? I, I wouldn't. I'd be. I'd deny it too. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, Alden Emmerich, I, I, I have to agree. I, he's not how I pictured Harrison Ford. He's much shorter. He's you know he d- doesn't have a fraction of the charm. Though I did think he was pretty good in the Coen Brothers film with George Clooney. Yeah, I thought he was because he was acting like the awkward shy guy, which Harrison Ford is not. Exactly. So I give him credit. I will say that by, you know, about a third of the way in, you start you start to kind of accept, okay, he's Han Solo. He's not Harrison Ford, but you start to find his, let's just say, the the less Harrison Fordiness you you equate to maybe well he was just young uh and they were smart to have Woody Harrelson's character be this mentor that eventually uh Harrison Ford or uh, excuse me Han Solo is going to <laughs> eventually uh you know start to emulate you know even certain lines if you're a real geek there are certain lines that the 
the the character that that Woody Harrelson plays actually says that we hear Harrison Ford say in the original trilogy. Right. So that being said, so for him going in, you know, I, I had very low expectations. I hoped it was good. Han Solo is my favorite character, uh, but I did feel it was sort of unnecessary. You know, right. I think it's unnecessary because okay, uh, you know, unless. Like, again, touching upon what you spoke about, you know, Phil Lord and uh, Chris Miller, you know, are very specific. I mean, I don't know what you think you're going to get when you hire them, looking at their other films. And it really would have been fun, I think. And looking at the film, from what I understand, 75 to 80% of the film was reshot. But the stuff that seems the most wacky and outrageous, my, my guess is that was their contribution. Because it's, it's not out of step with the rest of the film, but it's sort of... Uh, uh, it, it's all of a sudden it's fresh and then it kind of goes back to like, you know, okay, your standard action, you know, soap space opera kind of thing. Right. There's obviously <laughs> the template of the star Wars, uh, sort of a blueprint, you know, uh, all over it. Uh, so well, you knew I, what you were getting. Well, you see, and I think that that's coming, coming to the last thing you mentioned about, uh, them getting fired is I think Kathleen Kennedy, uh, similar to Barbara Broccoli. Okay. I think Kathleen Kennedy. Barbara Broccoli and, and, is the person in charge of the rights of James Bond. Of James Bond. Correct. Uh, uh, and, and, and thank you for pointing that out. You're like editor in chief. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, similar to Barbara Broccoli, they have a successful formula. Star Wars has a formula. What that formula is, is, is of course, um, depends on, on how you see it. You know, they've got, if you watch any of the Clone Wars film, uh, TV series or the, or the Rebels TV series, they've got Star Wars down. Like they get it. Oh, yeah. You feel like you're in a Star Wars, like you're in that universe. So this universe is very well defined. Right. Now, but since there is so much Star Wars out there, there's books, there's movies, there, I mean, there's books, there's TV shows, there's, there's video games, you know, things that let you know what, do people come to the movie for the, 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 the sequels are following the template of the original movie. I think more than anything else, uh, uh, as that was the biggest criticism for force awakens that it was uh, basically the same plot as episode four. And, and I, and I thought the last one, the last Jedi had a lot of things wrong with it for me. Okay. In terms of what Luke did, but what, the problem with the prequels is that they're sort of destroying canon. Yeah. But the, okay. But the prequels, on the other hand, are adding to the canon. They're, they're staying within canon because it's already been established what's happened. So they can't really veer too far off. They just can try and give us ex explanations for things that yeah. already are canon. Exposition you know I mean? to these characters and their background and their history right. and the purpose for their origin and how do they get there so all these things are now starting to kind of just uh give you a better picture of exactly. who these people are They're, they become exactly. much more three-dimensional now right and 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 again i that's why i think rogue one was so good and so well accepted uh uh and you know or at least the stuff that's that added to to the canon that that was you know stayed within canon and added to it versus what's happening with the sequels. So that being said, uh, I, I, I watch this movie in two ways. One, just as a film goer, let's, you know, pretend I'm not a Star Wars fan. You know, what do I think of it? And then as a Star Wars fan, as a Star Wars fan, there are plenty of things, there are references in there to all the things that only a total geek would get, 
you know, a reference to having a mind knock cookout, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, th- those are really geeky dirt details, but, uh, overall, what, what makes this film, I think, work when it does is, you know, we're meeting a character that many people don't know or don't know beyond that he's in the original series, you know, because the original series at this point, you know, that's like 40 years ago. So those movies, most people have seen them when they were kids, even if they saw them on video or TV. Uh, they know the character, but they're, they're, I think they're more open to seeing what this character can be. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt overall, it was fun and enjoyable, but unnecessary. Yes. Uh, you know, exactly kind of what I said. It's not essential viewing, but it is mildly entertaining. Uh, so if you're planning to go see this movie, don't feel like you're going to throw away your money. You're not. You're going to have fun. It's just not fun in the way that The Force Awakens or The Last Jedi were. Uh, these are these are These are movies that... Uh, will get everyone talking about that will build some sort of national conversation. This movie's not going to build any type of national conversation. It's not going to be the headline news in anything. It's easily going to be forgotten in about a week to two weeks when the next movies come out. And um, nevertheless, you can't discount the power of the Star Wars fan. Uh, many people are saying that the movie's going to open to about $150 million domestically, which is incredible to be honest with you i i i, I didn't well think, i you know i think i, I was think shooting for like 90 million maybe oh no come on it's a star wars movie if anything i think donald glover overshadowed everyone in that uh you know i'm glad you brought that up because i have to say the film for me the first third of the film eh, it was a little clunky by the time when we meet uh you know lando calrissian the film hits a whole new level. And in my opinion, he elevated the film because when he comes on screen, and I don't want to do any spoilers, when he comes on screen and you meet him and you see how he is, you realize how underused he was in the in the oh, other yeah. Star Wars films. Good and point. it makes you realize it makes you realize how much potential this character has, who in in reality would make a far more interesting story than Han. The way they've written him. And there's been word that they might actually spin off a Lando Carlesian uh, movie. Well, there have been books. And and again, I think the, the other thing, though, about the Lando Calrissian, I felt that his character was used 50% of the time it was great. The other 50% of the time it was like WTF. So <laughs> Yeah. So, and again, I don't want to give away anything. So... But I, I, again, I thought he definitely shined in the role. I thought I wouldn't say he was underused, but I, I would say they started to really go somewhere with him, and then they seemed to pull back and kind of. Well, because at the end of the day, it's a Han Solo movie. It's not a Lando right. movie, and uh, well, that doesn't mean he couldn't have some great, great uh, moments and, and story points. Right, but he's know? still at the end of the day a supporting character that kind of came out once in a while in the yeah, original dude. movies. So dude, I thought that that, you know, was 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 interesting, but at the same time I think that he shown so much that he overshadowed everybody else that I think we should actually start really talking seriously about Lando and Donald Glover having his own movie. Do you think it'll happen? Well, let's put it this way. Han Solo was a supporting character. That is true. 
but he so, became part of the core of well, he became Star part of Wars. The core. He became part of the core, but you know, Lando never think? became part of the core, so maybe they might not do it. No, here's what I think it comes down to: because as much as everybody loves Princess Leia, there's never been talk of a Princess Leia movie. Yes, okay? there has been. Has there? Yeah. Serious talk? Oh, serious talk. Serious well, okay. Talk? If, it, it depends how you define serious. I mean, if the rumor mill that begins in the press can lead up to serious, then yes. But they've been talking. I think this is the first step to do a prequel on Leia and on Luke. Uh, no, I don't think they'll do Luke, uh, and I don't think they'll do. Uh, so then, Leia. why Han Solo? Because if you don't well, do because, the other well, the other is, two, it just I'll seems like you, it's random. I'll tell you why. Because Harrison Ford was so enigmatic in that role mm. that he was very often quoted as being their favorite character. You talk to most people, their favorite character, if you're a girl, maybe it's maybe it's Princess Leia. But in general, the favorite character is Han Solo. Han Solo, I think, was the breakout. If you look at Harrison Ford's career, he was the breakout star you're from right. the Star Wars movies. I always portrayal, love Luke, but... You're right. Yeah, of course we like Luke, but let's face it. Harrison Ford was the person that, and his portrayal put him, not only put him on a map, but it allowed him to have a career, a career that far eclipsed anybody else in the Star Wars. You're movie. right. You're absolutely right. You know, and it's interesting because so, he saw the movie and Ron Howard said, he revealed like in an article that uh, Harrison Ford had given his verdict and he thought that... Uh, that that Harrison was raving about it after seeing the finished version. So you know, yeah. he liked it. I don't. He's I don't see Harrison lesson. Ford. I don't see Harrison Ford raving about anything. At this point in his career, he's a crotchety guy. But you know, hey. Uh, well, he I, said I mean, that Alden nailed it and that he made it his own. So what does that he, say? Well, that says he respects him. Yeah, it, it also says it ain't me, kid. <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, you know, again, I, 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 I did enjoy it. Uh, I'm sure I'll see it again. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, they do some things, uh, again, without spoilers, they do some things, especially in the, in the opening of the film that you, that'll surprise you. Uh, but then you realize it makes sense because it, like you said, it's not an episode in Star Wars. It's a Star Wars story. And they're really trying to delineate that thing. I think the fact that it's called a Star Wars story is part of what they're going to do. If, if they did, Princess Leia, you know, it would be Leia, a Star Wars story. It would be Obi-Wan, a Star right. Wars story. I think that that's how they're going to brand that part of, uh, you know, Star I Wars. I think overall the, the movie did well. I, I really enjoyed Donald Glover. And it's interesting, not many people are talking about this, but Thandie Newton was there. Uh, right. Uh, and after... She's not African American. She's she's British black. She's British, right? British black. Yeah, African British. After Rogue One happened, it really changed sort of the way I looked at science fiction movies uh, because they were mostly white for all my life. And then when I saw Prometheus and Idris Elba, that's when things started to connect. It's like, hey, you know, why is it that we don't see more? Uh, people of color in science fiction films. I mean, you're the guru when it comes to that um, with Afrofuturism. But here, this is another Afrofuturistic film, much like Black Panther was. We've had many conversations about this. Um, it, it feels natural now to have people of color, women, you know, leading the way uh, in these well, types of films. You know, well, it's, you said something interesting. You said, you know, you didn't notice. Oh, you didn't notice because it had become, that was normal. 
it was normal for science fiction to have futuristic visions. The future, its future is all white. You know, some, you look at movies from the seventies on, let's not even talk about the fifties, just from the seventies, you know, pre star Wars and into mm -hmm. star Wars, every science fiction movie, it, it, there were either, you know, it's Logan's run. It's the world of the future world is perfect. There are no people of color at all, mm -hmm. you know, uh, to planet of the apes, you know, where, where the last, you know, the black people are so rare that they apes, when they kill them, they stuff them and put them in the museum and Charlton Heston runs by them because there are no black people in the future. So it's always been there. And if the black person is there, he's going to be the first character to die. Right. So, What's happening? Their in fates are sealed. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's a change in science fiction in general, and it's also given rise to Afrofuturism because now black people, black children, young black people, black writers can see themselves in the future and want to write about it and and feel. You know, when I was a science fiction fan, when I was growing up, I, I used to have black people tell me, what you like that for? That's not for us. We're not there. You never see us there. And, and I was always thinking, well, yeah, but we, we should want to be there, you know? So it's a great thing for me as an adult to see, uh, you know, so many characters of color uh, in these films that, that are black and Asian, Latino and, and, you know, Mongolian and all, all these, you know, it, like Rogue One had all the main characters. Oh, it, it, all. Yeah. It was a showcase of diversity, uh, Rogue right. One. I mean, it was, it was a dream. I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, before we wrap up, Mike, I, I think we're ready for this question. Uh, and you're the perfect person to answer it. Are we ready for an all black cast science fiction film? Dude, yes. Uh, not, I, I mean, besides I mean, we, Black I mean, Panther. Black Panther, to me, still isn't clearly a science fiction film in the way we've been brought up to science fiction, that it takes place in space, not in Earth, right? Well, I feel that Black Panther still... More than a science fiction film, it's still more a superhero film. You must know to ask me. That's a loaded question to ask me because that is that is how and why I got into film because of the character I created uh, that essentially is a, like a black James Bond in outer space. And it's what I, I hope to make and, and why I still make films. But uh, that being said, I think we've always been ready. I think that, that you know, black science fiction has existed for a long time. Afrofuturism is gigantic now. But I, I do think, I think the time will come. I think, you know, there, there's more than enough room for, uh, science fiction that is, is, you know, blackface forward. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm with you. And yes, I do. Absolutely. Unfortunately for me and my Latino peeps, uh, I don't think we're going to see a Latino science fiction film <laughs> for well, you know, a generation or two. It's interesting because I think in terms of Latino science fiction, there's a lot of that out there. It's a lot more, to, it, it veers much more to, to horror or the supernatural. There are a lot of Latino Oh, supernatural stories. is fine, you know, but, but to see ourselves represented as superheroes, I mean, look, I don't see ourselves... Being fully represented the way the African-American community is at the moment for at least another 20 years. When I saw Diego Luna in Star Wars, and he really was the star to me, and he had a Mexican accent, I said, this is done. This dude's going to be making a movie a year. I haven't seen him work since then. It's interesting because the industry is dominated the way it is. You look at the, the Mexican directors who have won Oscars for making Hollywood films. They star white people. 
So you've got the one of the most, the world's most talented surrealist fantasy filmmakers. Um, and you know, he just won the Oscar for this fantasy film, but there's, there's even a black character in there. Okay. But there are no Latino characters, you know? And so it's, it's interesting because some of the most interesting science fiction I've ever seen and some of my favorite science fiction films are, uh, Spanish speaking films, films like man facing Southeast and, and, you know, Kronos and sleep dealers. Uh, I mean, there's so many interesting science fictions from Spanish language, but it's not the kind of science fiction. The Latino science fiction that I've seen is generally more towards fantasy or psychological, not right. these superhero things. Yeah. You know, the Mexican superheroes, you know, let's not even talk about what that was. That was like akin to wrestling back in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, it's a, it occupies a different place in society. I think science fiction for, for different Latino cultures that are making films. But, uh, I do think I would like to see, you know, these well-known directors who I didn't name, uh, who are Latino directors do something that's that forward where you've got, you take it. They don't have to be well-known actors. They could be actors we don't know are great, but are great and introduce them to the world in some of these films that they have the power to create. I think it's time that we start taking the reins of our own destiny as a Latino community, man. Seriously, whether you're Latin American or U.S. Hispanic, it's time that one of us says enough is enough. We're going to give you stories that that break the stereotypes of what you guys think we should be. And I think somebody just needs to say, look, we're getting together. I, I'm a director and I know a bunch of actors and we're all getting together to create a sci-fi film. And let's see how it does. But the idea that, that none of these ideas are even passing through the press. Like I, I read the Hollywood reporter and variety and the rap and deadline and all these other, there's never any mentions of these genre films. I mean, every time you hear of a Hispanic director, do a film, they're either supernatural or dramatic. You know what? The last one that I saw that was science fiction and had a Latino angle was Gravity by Alfonso Cuarón. And, 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 and who were the stars of that? It was George Clooney and Sandra Bullock. Exactly. And unfortunately, and this is where, you know, I, I just get heated again. It's if you have a Latino director, why not put in a Latino actor in the ensemble? Dude, that's what I was just talking about. That's the films I'm talking about. I'm talking about Gravity and I'm talking about uh, Shape of Water. That's what I'm talking about. Shape of Water is more of a supernatural one, right? As opposed to a science uh, fiction. Still, but still, where's the, the Latino character? And I've been saying this with Alf, uh, Alejandro Iñárritu doing Birdman and The Revenant. There's no Latinos Stay in thing. any of their movies. There's That's just no point. Latinos in their movies. They don't they don't help out the actor. You know what they help out? They help out the technical crew get opportunities. Like, uh, like Emmanuel Lubezki. You know, these are the guys right. that they... They revere, the right. they worship these guys for their talent because they make their movies be better. But th for some reason, what hasn't trickled down is their effort into uplifting the Latino actor. Um, well, I, you know, and it's interesting they say that because on the one hand, from the business standpoint, I understand, you know, you got to put a George Clooney, you got to put a, you know, you got to put a big name white actor because that's how Hollywood works right now. But why not? I mean, if Michael Bay can in the middle of post of, uh, you know, Transformers make a tiny film like uh, Pain No Gain. Why can't these directors do a small film that that features, you they know? They don't believe in us. 
I think there's something about these guys that just, they, they, they're like, you know what? It's not your time. Um, you're not in vogue. You're not, you know, part of the fad. You're not, you know, this isn't the JLo Ricky Martin days. For some reason, it's a struggle for Latino actors to, I don't know if it's our skin color. I don't know if that agents are doing a terrible job in promoting us properly. Um, I don't know if, if, if maybe we, I mean, Gina Rodriguez was in Annihilation. That's a science fiction film to me. Uh, but she wasn't necessarily the star, you know, and like you said, <laughs> she died pretty quickly in that movie. Um, well, no, Latinos dying quickly is the new blacks dying quickly. So <laughs> yeah. it is. They, they moved up a notch. Now we they're moved in the film, up a they, notch. They die. They, they die. <laughs> we now get to be in the film, but we now get to be killed very yes. quickly, you know. Yes. Yes. And that's it for episode 78 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Mike Sargent for hanging out with me, and I hope you guys dug this conversation as well. If you like this podcast, please share, retweet, and recommend our show on our social media platforms. And remember, it's through your word of mouth that our show can grow. I'm Jack Rico. See you next week on another episode of Highly Relevant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.